What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Top 10% Podcast. I am your host, as always, Dan Carter. Today is Tuesday, June 7th. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, obviously we'll get all of the the other stuff out of the way first. Please follow along on our YouTube channel. Um, got a lot of new content coming there. We've got a couple new things coming uh, this way as well. So um, if you guys get a chance to, to check that out, follow and like and share and comment and all those good things on our Spotify and also our um, Apple Apple link as well. So uh, all those help. We appreciate everybody tuning in and, uh, you know, doing doing the deal and uh, continually listening and supporting what we're doing here. You know, we love it and uh, we're, we're glad to have you. So on to the, the business end of things. Um, this is a busy week for us. Uh, myself and uh, a couple of the guys, we will be up at TAC. If you guys are up there, swing by. If you see us, we'll be done in top 10 stuff probably most of the weekend. Um, I'm pretty easy to detect. So just uh, swing up and say hi, and uh, we'll talk to you about some stories, maybe getting you guys on in the future if it's something that uh, that we can use or we want to hear your story or other people want to hear your story. We can work with that. So um, we've got a good week uh, episode this week, excuse me, can't talk, and uh, one of our own, but uh, it's gonna be gonna be a good story. So, uh, great guy. So stay tuned for uh, this week's podcast. <laughs> Bro, I just shot T bar. Oh my god! Look at that talk. This episode of the Top 10% Podcast is brought to you by Top 10% Hunting Headquarters, located in Coldwater, Michigan, your premier AR manufacturing outlet. Let's get back to your host, Dan Carter, of the Top 10% Podcast. Welcome back to the Top 10% Podcast. Thanks for joining us again, guys. Um, We got one of our own on with us, Scotty Goodwin. Scotty, how you doing, buddy? pretty good what's going on fellas yeah we got tribal back there too so scott's sitting over there in the chair so um i'll i'll just kick it right off if you guys following along on our youtube uh you just seen a video drop um with scotty and his son and an awesome turkey hunt so we'll we'll get some details on that but scotty tell me um legendary hunt yeah no it's it's sweet i loved it i loved all of the uh all of the dad moments of like just sit still, calm down, you know, you know, all those, yeah, you gotta dude. be patient. So we'll get into that in a second. So tell us about you, Scotty, and like how you come to, you know, be part of top 10 and, and just a little bit about yourself and your history. And obviously we know you're, you're a giant deer slayer and, um, obviously, yeah, we all do, but you know, it's, it's tough to be in that top 1%, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm in the top one percent. Come on, but, um, hey, take those baby dick and gloves off. My, my bigger dudes. Right, right. Yeah, no, we got. Um, that's what you got to do. So, anyways, yeah, tell us about you. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Yeah, so um, 
I grew up around Southern Michigan, Coldwater, Bronson, Union City, Burlington area. Um, grandpa was a, my grandfather was a, he, he's gone and passed, but he was, him and my dad kind of got me into hunting at a young age, started it out, you know, ice fishing, be, using beagles and rabbit hunting. Yep. Um, I shot my first deer with a bow, um, with a Pearson spoiler in 1995. Oh, wow. I was, I was 13. Um, and, and after that, I was just kind of sold. And, and I, I hunted the first two years um, with a compound. Mm-hmm. And then, like, my dad uh, grew up with the tap boys out of cold water. And um, everybody went to recurves. So right. I hunted with a recurve all through high school. And then um, disappeared for a few years, was traveling all around the road, um, came back home, picked hunting right back up. Uh, I didn't have a lot of time when I was traveling out of town, just never coincided with hunting season. Sure. Um, so I think 2008, um, I grabbed the recurve. I hadn't shot a deer in a while with a bow and, um, I grabbed the recurve and I was with a buddy of mine named Troy Hampton. We were hunting over by Hodunk mm-hmm. and I shot a really nice 10 point. Um, and I was shooting cedar shafts and I was using my old man's black widow recurve and I shot at this buck and he was about 22 yards and that, that bow just didn't have enough. And that was a long shot with the recurve anyways, but, um, I sliced the side of him open and it went through the web of his armpit and never entered the rib cage. And I said, that was enough of watching good deer walk by at 30, 40 yards and those longer shots with the recurve. So I hung it up and went and bought a compound again and, and got dialed in. And I kind of went back to just doing the same old routine, you know, just hunting deer. Yep. And, and I was shooting some good bucks. And um, and then I was hunting over on County Line Road in, in Burlington, their area, for a little while. And, and I started seeing some some really good deer. And I think I think that was, was uh, when everything kind of clicked and changed and and how i needed to change and kind of conform to to harvesting bigger deer um and it just kind of became a trend from there so that's how and that's kind of how it went for me to get to where i'm at and and, i mean there's a million different things in the market in the in the industry i'm not going to say i'm a i'm a part of the industry i got a lot of good groups of friends and and uh good connections and and good conversation i've made with a lot of folks in the industry from attending ATA with friends. And, um, that's kind of how I, how I met Scott and, and I've always stayed pretty loyal to Scott because he's always been good to me. Sure. He always talked good, good talks about hunting and, and capitalizing on big deer. And, um, so I'm not going to say I'm, I'm, uh, any different than the next guy. I just think that everybody has their own way of doing things and, and everybody's circumstances are different. Um, so I, I think I'm in a good situation here in Indiana. It's taken me a long time to get there. It didn't just happen overnight. Right. Um, but so that's kind of the rundown of me, I guess, from as a kid hunting in Michigan and, and I haven't just hunted in, in Indiana. I've hunted all over the Midwest and sure. taking some good bucks in a lot of States and, 
had had my misfortunes too, just like the rest of them. Still well, that's, happens. That's part of it, right? You know what I mean. If if, if you're a bull hunter oh, yeah. and you're not having having those those fallouts in some way, shape, or form, you know we all don't want them, but they happen. You know what I mean. There's there's a lot of trees and limbs and a lot of you know personal mistakes and you know obviously we're trying to get stuff on film and and that is tough for us as well. So it just throws another wrench into the into the pile from that aspect. So. Scott, you want to say something? I see yeah, it. Well, Look on your face. Speaking of film, let's just dive right into that little story about you and your boy out there getting. Um, yeah, we'll go right to the turkey, and then we'll get back to we'll yeah, get back yeah. to deer details we'll, here soon. We'll do like your. your I mean, your girl you know says, what? If circle I die, back. If I died tomorrow, like my my life was fulfilled that day because that was the first time I had taken him a turkey hunting, and I told him, you know, the weather was horrible this season. Um, it was honestly up to that afternoon when that all came together. Um, uh, it was like the slowest Turkey season I've ever had. Um, yeah. Turkeys it, kicked my ass this year. Yeah. Um, everything that could go wrong just from the gate. First time out, I took a buddy of mine, um, leading up to the season. Let me rewind. I went out the week, I think it was a week or two before the season was coming into play. And, uh, it was a nice day for once. And I told my wife, Lupka and Wyatt, I said, Hey, let's run over to the farm. If I said, why you want to go, we'll go put a blind up. And, and I told him if he went and put the blind up with me that well, we got, we got a nice day. I'd take him out with me. So it wasn't really a nice day, but, um, I hunted, uh, the opening day started on a Wednesday okay. and I had my appendix. I had my appendix out, on Monday or Tuesday. And I was just kind of laying low at home and, but I, I could walk and stuff. I was, I was fine. Right. I was off work for a couple of days. So I had a buddy that's never turkey hunted. And I said, Hey man, let's, uh, let's take a ride over to the farm. If we can get back to the blind and there's not turkeys in the field, we'll, uh, we'll get, we'll, maybe we'll get one, you know, first time out usually is pretty good out there in that, in that particular field. Mm-hmm. So we started walking back and we get. Nope. Froze for a second. I think we, you're back. You're good. You're back. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we lost you for a second. It's okay. Um, so I, I, I went with my buddy. He never turkey hunted. And we get about 180 yards from the blind. And sure as shit, there's like 12 turkeys in the field. And they're standing 10 yards from my blind. So we, we hunkered down into this fence row. And um, I had a turkey fan with me. Thank you. Out and stuck it out in this opening. And. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. Oh. We're, we're cutting in and out some. It could be me. Hold on one second, Dan. Let me move. Okay. Let me move a little closer. Yeah, we're we're on Wi-Fi here, here, so. To take a I am not. Unfortunately, we cannot get Wi-Fi where I live. Oh wow. Yeah, then that yeah. you get that stuff that's like satellite stuff, and it's not great. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Hopefully we don't lose you too much, but we'll, we should be good. So we ended up, uh, I reaped this turkey in. Um, I basically was calling to the hens because the ter- toms are already out there all fanned up, but they could see. The hens started working our way, brought the toms with them. There was two longbeards, probably one of the birds I shot, mm-hmm. and then there was a jake in the mix of the two longbeards. Well, I leaned over my shoulder and I told my buddy, I said, hey, dude, I'm going to have to duck my head and cover my ears, you know, blow my eardrum out. But when I drop, you're going to have to pull up and shoot. I said, two front birds, they were all three fanned up. I said, the two front birds 
are both mature birds. They ain't going to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the bird that's on the front and on the outside, um, you know, that's the Jake. I said, don't shoot the Jake. If you, if you can not shoot the Jake, just shoot the Tom. Well, when I dropped the fan and he leaned up, they kind of did the musical chairs and all came out of strut. And I think he shot, I think he thought he shot in the time, but he ended up shooting the Jake. Oh no. Needless to say, yeah. Needless to say, he, he got his first bird and he was pumped. Um, so right off the bat, I mean, we blew all them turkeys out of the field. So I didn't go back there, um, for like three days mm-hmm. and Sunday morning came, the rain broke that morning. I got up early. It was real hazy. It took a long time to break light. So I kind of took my time getting back there and um, I got about a hundred yards from the blind and out walks a time and a, and a hen in full strut. Oh, geez. And right when I saw them, they saw me and they didn't really like run off the field, but they were, they got off the field. They were on alert. Yeah, for sure. So, but they love this field. And I thought, man, if it, if it gets decent out, they're going to end up coming back at some point today. So I sat till 11 o'clock that morning with, oh, wow. with with camera running, I had one hen come out, and she come from an opposite direction. What she just ended up going off into the woods, down towards the river bottom. Um, never saw nothing else the rest of the morning. So I slipped out of there and went to another farm that's usually it's produced the midday hunt, like eleven to twelve bird. It's it's happened. I shot a big bird there a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never heard or seen a bird all afternoon in that spot. So I called my in-laws and said, "Hey, I'm going to come pick up little man." So I shot back over to my in-laws, picked him up, uh, stopped and got some snacks. We got back set up in the blind. We're about 30 minutes into the hunt. I'm all set up. Out of snacks and, about already because you know how that goes. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're already yeah. tapped out there, yeah. Um, the wind was kind of gusty that day, and my avion strutter, the tube that holds the, the stake inside the frame of the decoy, had, had come loose in the top of the decoy. And like any slight wind, it would just fall over. Oh no. So of course, 30 minutes into the hunt, it falls over. So I get out, run over there, set it back up, tried to move it lower to the ground. So it couldn't, it couldn't fall over as much. We get back in there. We sat for like a solid hour and he's starting to lose his marbles. And I popped a hen <laughs> out of nowhere. And it's the same hen that I saw that morning. Right. She basically made a big loop. And I think she was just curious. I only called maybe three or four times the whole and a half we were sitting there because i just thought man if anything happens he'll be excited just to see something right excuse me so this hen comes out she kind of works out into the middle of the field well then another hen pops out where i saw that time and that other hen go in that morning yep when i was walking back and the hen comes out walks right out to the other hen and then boom he hammers one time and 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 i never called to him he just was doing his thing right so when he come out into the field he was i was already as soon as he popped out i had the camera rolling and you can see he really was just putting on a show for the for the ladies he he paid no attention to my decoy or my no, laid he, out didn't, head. he didn't care at all um, he, when he comes over that rise he's just like hey i'm here this is what i'm doing yeah. this is my day-to-day you know yep. y'all are coming to me kind of deal yeah so i tried to you probably heard me there i was i was ta- trying to talk to the hens I was trying to get them curious to come in because I knew he was hemmed up and he wasn't having no part of it. If anything, he was probably going to try to work them away from my decoys. Right. So after, I don't know, probably seven or eight minutes of them kind of working across in front of us, they were kind of going away from us. I looked at Wyatt and I said, dude, we got nothing to lose. And I bought that, 
that gobbler I got is starting to get um, like, you know, weathered and the, the rubber is starting to get crappy, mm-hmm. but I just happened to throw it in my pack and I've, I've never used it. I don't think. Um, and I thought, man, I'm going to pull that out and I got nothing to lose at this point. Cause they're going to work away from us. Right. And I hit that. I hit that. It sounds good because it sounds like a Jake. It doesn't sound like a big old mature bird. Mm-hmm. And his whole demeanor changed instantly. He was facing us paying us you know he's paying more attention to us now than he is his girls so um he kind of he moved into about 60 yards and i could i could roll a bird with that gun i had at 60 but nobody wants to shoot that far if you don't right, have to right well and especially like with this, with wyatt with you you wanted to get him as close as possible and yeah, get as much time too he's i'm sure he's he was fired off right? oh he's i was everything i could do like what you don't see in the camera is i'm grabbing him by the back of the hood making him sit down He's got his hand pointing at the turkey. Out of the, he's calling to him. So, so I, I'm like, if this works out, it's going to be a miracle. Wait, that Tom started to lose interest again. So I'm like, I'm going to hit him one more time with the gobble. And and he had already came about probably 30 or 40 yards. And then he mm-hmm. kind of hung up and he started going back to the girls. And I hit him again. I thought, I think that was when it clicked in his head. You're not going to talk to my girls. Right. You got, you, you, you're, now you're looking to get your ass beat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I didn't have to call to him anymore. He just kept coming and kept coming. He heard me in the, in the video saying, dude, this might happen. Why? I'm like, dude, I just, buddy, I just need you to be, just be calm. And and then he got really excited and I'm just trying to get him to stay in his seat. Right. But need a seatbelt in the blind, don't we? Yeah. And then I was kind of worried if I let him come in and hit the decoy, it was just going to, fall right on its side and freak right. him out and he might he might just take off running so i didn't give him a chance to to break the decoy any more than it was but that's why i shot him um when he's I coming actually in aimed, i actually aimed at the front of his beak because that that gun up with that pattern at 32 yards it's about a volleyball you know right so i just took the side of his head basically yeah um but yeah it was it was epic dude i i put that video on like two laptops i got it i'll never i've been kept i threw a copy on a junk drive in my safe so someday i can say here you go buddy it's yeah, and that's the moments you know what i mean that's what we live for i mean we we all are passionate about the outdoors for multiple reasons but going back to like our roots like what you had already mentioned you know we grew up doing the same thing you and i are pretty close to the same age you know what i mean like and and we did a lot of that hunting over beagles and doing all those things. And like, I mean, I can't imagine all of the hunts and the funny bloopers and craziness that our parents would have if, you know, if we would have had the, the, you know, the technology that we have now. So it's, it's huge to be able to save that stuff and, and, you know, give it back to them. And, you know, I'm in the same boat. I've got the one little one, my older, um, my older son, he's a little more, Austin's a little more patient, but my, my youngest is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's like Wyatt. He's like, let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. And, you know, they get so excited and, you know, he's pacing back and forth in a six foot blind, <laughs> you know, it's like, calm right. down. We, Absolutely. You, you need the seatbelt to, to get it happening. So, well, that, yep. that's, you know, it's great, man. It was good footage. It was a, you know, it was a great hunt. It was great to see you, you know, obviously be successful, but also be able to share that passion, you know, with, with our up and coming youth. And, you know, that's a big thing that we push here at top 10, as you know, is just keeping our youth involved and obviously growing the industry as a whole. Um, not just here at top 10, that's anywhere. You know what I mean? It's one yeah. of those things that Scott, you want to say something there, buddy? <laughs> I got, I got muted for a minute cause I have Pringles over here. Goody. <laughs> Um, the, the, 
The Hunt, you can find it on YouTube. Yep. Carbon TV. Yep. So it's it's a great hunt. I mean, it's it's one of our best hunts that we put out for turkey season this year. Well, and everybody likes to see the see the kids involved too. So that's that's a good oh, yeah. thing, you know. And obviously, those we we promoting the youth is is the future of our you know our our deal. So we we want to make sure that we do that. And obviously, like you said, it'll be one of those things that he'll remember forever. And now I guarantee, when you start talking about turkey season or when he walks past that decoy hanging on the wall in the garage or whatever, he's there's going to be a story. I already uh, I actually mounted it, did the tail fan, the beard, and the spurs, and and I I took a sharpie and wrote on the plaque. I put wrote on the the cartridge of the shotgun shell and. I mounted it and put it in his bedroom next to a buck I got hanging in there for him because he will he likes having a turkey and a deer in his room. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. I love it. Well, that's let's talk. Uh, you know, you you preloaded right to the deer, so let's let's get back yeah. into deer stuff, man. Um, last year was a good year for you. Twenty twenty one was good. Tell me about twenty one. It was good. Um, twenty one was man. I threw everything but the kitchen sink at a deer I call World Star. Um, he showed up in 2020. I've never found his sheds. I put out a lot of miles looking for him, but I also dealt with trespassing. Um, and I ended up catching the guy on through Facebook and, and trail camera pictures. I paid $100 uh, and put it on Facebook, and I had the guy call. He called me like an hour later and did the apology, and I'll never be back there again. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I, I'm... I don't know if the deer's dead or alive. I'm pretty confident he's alive. He, I think he's going to be seven and a half this year. I do think he's going to be in the in the mid nineties. He could break two hundred. Right. Um, the deer daylighted twice during deer season. And he was That's high one seventies ish this year, right? Yeah. Were you thinking somewhere right yeah, in there? Yeah, I, I was thinking one seventy eight, uh, okay. one eighty gross. Um, I don't think he's a uh, and he's not a net booner, um, right. but he's a gross boon for sure. No doubt about it. Okay. Um, he, I, I, I could only hunt him on certain days and I probably hunted him a total of seven or eight times. Um, effectively I felt like, right. Um, he just, I, the, the one day that I probably had the best chance of, of getting a shot at him was November 9th. He daylighted at 1.20 in the afternoon. I was at work. I raced home as fast as I could, got my shit on. I was in the stand. Um, and it's it's quite a haul to get back to this spot. Right. Um, I, I had access to everything, and this deer lived in a place that was very inaccessible. Uh, I'm sure my farmer wasn't happy, but I <laughs> used the topography of the field. I took my four-wheeler over about the 17th or 18th of October, and I made a straight line. Um using the topography as straight as I could to straight to my stand and knock the beans down because you just can't walk in beans. Right. Yeah. And especially I went back once they start to like get seven, brown. Yeah. I, I went back and forth like seven times. Um, and I was like, I'll deal with the consequences later Right. to get access to this stand because of where he was living and what he was doing. I did, I did lay eyes, eyes on him that night, but it was after dark and he came, there's a lot of light in the background from, um, just big commercial buildings. Yeah. And I, he, he was in a, I knew he didn't go North and I knew he didn't go South because I had, I had it pretty much covered with cell cameras and I knew the only way he could have went was back East or back West. And he ended up going West and there's a fence row out in the middle of this 120 acres 
mm-hmm. and he was bedded in that fence row and he got up at dark and walked stayed I'd still even in even in the dark like fading light he stayed in the low ground and used the topography to access the back of the swamp that he was frequenting right so that was the only day that i laid eyes on him i do think my neighbors um were on to i think they had him on camera too i think that my i think that my neighbor missed him with a rifle on november 17th Um, we kind of have a deal worked out where if there's a deer in the river bottom um, they can shoot my side because I don't really gun hunt much. Right. I shot my first year ever with a rifle this year. Um, so after pretty much, um, I knew once rifle season hit, it would be even slimmer chance of, of actually getting that deer in daylight sure. or getting in a place where I could access to hunt him. Um, but he actually changed his whole pattern once the crops were p- pulled off. Um, you said it was all I beans, went, all beans this year. That the yeah, backfield yeah. was not right. You said something about the no, other no, field wasn't. No, the the whole section. Oh wow! The whole section, like a square mile, was all beans. The only corn was across the road, and it's a very busy road. Okay. And that that corn is still standing right now from oh, last God. year. <laughs> so that that deer, the last picture I got of him was uh, December 9th, and he was actually walking that way. So he made it through. Thank God. Well. I'm assuming that's probably where he went. If I was a big deer, that's right away into the sure. standing corn. No, I didn't hear of anybody um, getting him, and I, I think I would have a deer that size in our area. Some, of yeah, them I mean, I think you, I think you probably would have heard something for sure. I mean, you, there's a lot of hush hush and, and things of that nature, but I now is is that typical of a like a winter pattern for them to move to that area where that other corn is or anything like that? Do they have a tendency to, you know, in the big bucks um, that you've chased in the past there, do they have a tendency to go that direction in the latter part of the season or does it depend um, on crops? There's usually enough in the area that I do think that they can travel to and from in the darkness and sure. feed all night and get back to cover. One of the reasons why I think my farm has been, uh, safe haven during gun seasons because we put very very limited pressure on it during gun season and no one's messing with them to an extent right there's 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 pockets that i have figured out that i know if we just leave them alone yep um a big deer will frequent or stay there um indefinitely no pressure if I shoot a big deer if i shoot a big deer out of one of these particular spots um another big deer will move into it yep yep which is, you know, which is typical of those places like that that are that have a core. Odds are it may not be overnight, but in a short period of time, something something's going to yeah. move in and territorize that that area as well. So yeah, okay. So is now, I mean, I'll spin right into it. We'll go back to your twenty one season a little bit here in a second because I, I want to talk about the the ones that you did harvest and whatnot. But the does now is that going to be your number one? Talking about your 22 goals, is that your number one buck? You know, obviously, until we see him on camera, you're not going to know. But um, is he your target for the well, year? I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to – I've kind of changed in my look a little bit this year. Um, it's been it's been haunting me to, to get the recurve back out. It's actually hanging right here. Um, it's all set up, ready to go. I've been shooting it a little bit. Um, I think I kind of want to – to back off a little bit, I'm not saying I'm not going to try to still shoot a trophy deer, Sure, but I would like to shoot a respectable deer with a recurve this year. And I think that's my goal. Okay. Um, I, now if, if I got cameras running, 
um, you know, I kind of, I don't, I don't know how to say it. I kind of want to just take a step back and start from scratch, like lay off the cameras a little bit and get out. And I don't want to waste my time either because right. you get ruined using cameras because I don't hunt every day on yeah. the best days, Yep. you know, and, um, and I'm, I'm very limited on the spots that I'm, I'm going to pressure or hunt. Um, I got stands I can just go sit in without, without putting any pressure on my property at all. Right. If I just want to go get in a tree, but, um, I'm very particular about the spots I hunt, when I hunt them, if I can get to them. I mean, dude, there's, I feel like I'm playing in a perfect homicide every time I go to a tree because <laughs> especially, especially when I'm going to a spot that I know that there's a really high chance that either this deer is going to come by here tonight because this is the wind. This is the pressure I need. This is the front I need. Um, he's not coming through this area. So he's coming through this spot and right. And it's either, and I know that if I, he doesn't come by that first time or that second time, it's going to be, you know, it, it's going to be a way harder now to, to get up, to get a, a line on him than it was then, because I don't care what products you buy or believe in on the market. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's hard to fool a deer. Yeah. It's hard to fool a deer's nose. Yeah. When you get the mature um, ones like that too, you know, the, every set, you know, I mean, Scott and I've talked about this countless times too, is every single time you sit in a tree stand, you're, you're you know, and, and I've heard it on podcasts and everything else, you know, your percentages yeah. go down. And, I'd say almost 25% every single time you sit in a tree, maybe yeah, more. And, and just because you don't see a deer doesn't mean that he doesn't know you're there. Right. I mean, dude, you know, I think, I think a lot of um, my mindset and, and why I'm so maybe if, you spend some, if ever you ever spent time with me or, or some of the guys that hunt with me, I'm pretty critical about how I do things because yep. my grandparents lived in the, UP, in the UP and their neighbor, Gordy, um, he had a, a pet, it was a wild deer, but it was a pet deer. Her name was Bullet. Mm-hmm. And the shit that I saw this deer do, I mean, it blew my mind. Yep. Like, I don't care how smart you think your, your duck hunting lab is or your bird <laughs> dog is. I'm telling you right now, people don't. I don't think I'm, I'm not saying everybody, but a majority of people don't give deer enough respect for how smart they are. No, they unless don't get the run, credit. Unless they're running around the woods with a heart on trying to get the really wet. I don't think that a lot of deer ever, ever lose, especially when you're talking mature deer, a four plus year old deer. Yep. You, you, like it's kill or be killed. You yep. know, realistically, that's how you have to look at it. Yeah. It's a survival um, of the fittest mentality that yeah, they're, you know, especially a, in high pressure areas like not, you, you, Michigan. You I, yeah. I tell a lot of people this, but you don't hunt deer anymore. If you're trying to kill the top 10% of your deer, you're hunting a deer. You're right. learning that deer. Yep. You're learning every aspect of his life. If you have a farm, like I've been on this farm for quite, quite a few years now. I know what I can get away with, what I can't get away with. Mm-hmm. That still doesn't change. You still have to be constantly learning because every deer is different. Right. I right? agree. I think it's, and I think it, it, there's a personality trait that I've noticed over the course of time. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like you, you get on one or two deer and say, I'll have a target that is, we'll just call it the top 5% or top 3% of what I'm hunting. And well, IE last year, I got blown out of my property here in Michigan just because we had so much rain and I had two target deer and I thought there's no way. I mean, I hunted the property one time and that was early because I knew if it didn't happen in the first five to seven days of the season, it wasn't going to happen till rut just because I couldn't get where I needed to be. But yep. I've patterned those deer enough to know a rough vicinity, but I didn't necessarily know 
that particular deer enough, even though he was three and a half, four years old, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing he was four and a half. Um, but, but trying to pattern one particular and look at it and go, okay, his personality may be similar. He may have the genetic traits of, you know, his old mama, you know, matriarch doe that did whatever. But then again, he may have whatever his dad did. And you know what I mean? There's just so many different things that could create different avenues and one mistake as a, um, as like a, I don't want to call it a, I don't know what word I'm looking for, a careless. Because we're, we're not careless well, by no means, but somebody that's going to, I'll just make one bad mistake and you're done. You're, you're done on that deer. Um, it's, I, I 100% agree with you. There's, 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 I've watched younger bucks that are year and a half, two, two year olds that, um, you you can just tell by their demeanor and how they present themselves, how they work through the woods, that they're they're already wise beyond their years. And then yep. there's some deer that just walk through and they're just dumber than a box of rocks. Right, right. But here here's a trait of this is a trait of World Star. Um, World Star is a very timid deer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen him posture and on camera. I've seen him posture towards other deer. I have never seen. I've only seen him lock horns with a deer, and, and it was early like mid September at night and they were probably more or less trying each other out. I don't know that it was a full blown thing where they were really into each other, Sure. but world star has never had a broken time in hmm. two years. I've had him on camera and I'm talking hundreds of pictures. He's never had a broken time. Um, that tells me that he is a very easy. He, I'm not going to say that he's timid. He's more a loner, that, more like a loner than anything else. A, you know, I've never, I've never seen him with another deer yep. ever. Um, he's always by himself. He is a loner. And I think that's probably why he's as old as he is. Sure. I don't think he lets a lot of other deer get in his head. I think he does his own thing and I don't think he drops his guard for nothing. That's why he's going on seven and a half and pushing 200 inches. Yeah. Um, so that right there, when you take that into, you, you know what you're up against. Like this deer is in the league of his own. You're going to have to learn everything about this deer and hope that you can get in his wheelhouse without him ever knowing you're that you're that you're there and potentially get a shot at him with a deer that's pretty much nocturnal. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it on it right now. I'm predicting this year with the recurve, like before the 4th of November, you're going to be calling me and telling me that like, you ain't going to believe it. He's on the ground. It'd be pretty sweet. Be sweeter if you get the um, footage and everything of it too. I, I mean, then it because it, I already listening to what you're saying and listening to the dialing back a little bit on it. Hold on, I got to mute Scotty's and the Pringles again. Um, so when I say I'm going to dial it back, like there's spots that I can I know what you mean, <laughs> and I and, and I can kill a 110 to 130 inch deer um, probably with a recurve. Sure, um, I may get excited and just shoot a six point. I don't know, right? But I'm not going to say I'm not. Like I said, I want to get back into what it feels like to just have fun. And, right. and something, I have nothing to prove to myself, I feel like. Um, obviously, we all we all want to strive to be better all the time and, sure. and continue to learn and, and kill big deer. But at the end of the day, um, there's there's one deer that I, that I would say that I won't mess him up and, and I will hunt him effectively. And that's world star. If he's there, sure. Um, I'm going to have, I'm going to have corn this year. The whole section is corn. Um, so 
I don't even know where the closest beans will be, honestly. There may be a small two small parcels of beans across the river right um this year and if that happens um could make it tough well i just know that pictures are going to be limited i'm not saying you're going to get those those bachelor groups that travel around but world star i know where he i know where he summers Mm -hmm. um i i have a i have a, a friend that that does some work for me on my farm and i'm not going to name drop or anything but no don't do that he has a friend that um, his his wife found a shed to the deer that I shot in 2019. Okay. Um, the 188. Um, he's got. I have pictures of the deer in 2018, and I only got a few of them. Mm-hmm. And he was and he was coming from that direction, but he has he had that he had World Star in velvet all summer, and then he just disappeared, and he sent me some pictures. So there is other people that know about this deer. Yeah. Um, but I don't know of anybody else that's laid eyes on him um, besides me. Um, and be- maybe my neighbor. He didn't know what deer it was. He just said it was tall and had a shit ton of points. So <laughs> I'm assuming it was him because right. the, the, the the last picture I got at, of World Star on December 9th was within about 100 yards of where he missed him. Where he missed him. Okay. Yeah. So, well, let's hope, let's hope that uh, it all comes to fruition. Like I get what you're saying though, with the, you know, just, just not having to put a lot of pressure on yourself and, and, you know, you, we don't make mistakes on the big deer because we know what the, the consequences that are, but, you know, pushing through and, and getting back to the roots and obviously teaching that to the kids is a good thing too. So having them out there and being able to, you can, you can dial it back a little bit. And, you know, have have Watt out there with you and, and get in the stand and, and have the ability to, like you said, target, a you know, that 110 to 130 and, and feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Still can't make mistakes because mature deer, are, you know, obviously in the area and they could they could do whatever they need to do there. So so let's spin well, into I, I, go ahead. I'll let you. I may I may put us um, my, my farm's just tough to, to food plot. And right. honestly, my landowner doesn't like it. Um, there's a couple spots that he kind of doesn't care about if he doesn't farm them. Uh, in past years, I've had a couple spots that I could put some clover. I've ran some some brassicas and some bald winter mixes down there in the past, and they've produced. Um, the buck that I shot this year was was in that vicinity mm-hmm. uh, with a rifle. Um, but I may try to get a a, a fall plot in um, and put a – I want to try to have maybe end of July so it's good and lush for – September 15th, I got a brand new muddy, um, excuse me, round bale blind back here in a box I got to put together, but I want to take little man with me. Um, there's not many places with standing corn on my farm that he's going to be able to go and see deer. Right. So I think that's probably going to be, um, Wyatt and dad's spot this year. And it's a good spot. Um, especially early season. Right. Um, it's got a lot going for it. It's got good cover and it's close to bedding. Um, it's very secluded. It's a little bit of a walk to get back there, but the first time I sat that stand this year, I had 125 inch four year old at three. He was three yards in front of my the base of my ladder stand. Oh wow! And I had a. I'm glad he didn't come closer because it was early. Um, it wasn't the 15th. It was the second day of um, the, the urban zone in Indiana because I shot a doe on the 15th, the first night. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, 
it was away from anything I wanted to hunt. Um, I had a ton of does hanging out in this particular spot. I dusted a small doe. The first night I went to the stand to buck hunt, mm-hmm. I had I had four bucks right at last light come in. But the one deer I want, I've never shot a deer with split G2s on both sides. But I, I, I think he's just a big three-year-old. And I, I look forward to this year because if he holds that frame, he will definitely be on the hit list. I found one of his sheds. I know he's alive and well. Good, good. Um, and then I have another deer that's 130. He's probably going to go high 30s, low 40s, eight point. Mm-hmm. He will be five this year. Um, I found one of his sheds. I didn't find his set, but I found one. Um, so both of those deer are going to be on the hit list, but I'm going to have a rebuilding year. I usually have a pretty good crop of really good up-and-comers, mm-hmm. and I don't have that right now. And yeah. I'm not saying some, some bucks won't move in, but there was a lot of push during the rut uh, of, of one particular deer, the one I shot with a rifle. That deer was one of the biggest assholes I've ever seen on the hoof. Yeah, a um, big bully like that will push some deer out of your property, too, in a hurry. Yeah, yep, and he did, and he was, like I said, I threw the kitchen sink at World Star, and I couldn't kill him, so I went after the next best thing, that I, and I had a pretty good line on him. Mm-hmm. I had him in front of me at 40 yards in bow range, opening morning of rifle, and my damn brand-new 6.5 Ruger Creedmoor misfired. Mm. It, it didn't misfire. It just clicked. It didn't go off. And by the time I racked another bullet in, he was already around the corner, and I I actually climbed down and tried to run out with a doe mm-hmm. and see if they were still there, but they had ducked, they had ducked into the cover. So um, I went back that afternoon. I came home with the same bullet that didn't fire, put it back in the gun and shot the first pull. So I don't know what the hell happened. Huh. Um, but I ended up killing him uh, the next morning and it was like a blizzard. Same stand. And I was same stand. And I got a picture of him in front of my ladder stand that night at like 6 30 an hour after dark so i knew he was in the vicinity i knew he was still with that hot doe and when i saw him opening day you could tell he was he was just doing what he could to stay with her she wasn't having it yet right so i knew she probably had to be getting close so i went back to that spot but when i drove over to the farm that morning it was a blizzard i had to pull over twice and clean the slush off my headlights so i could see and it was a real wet heavy heavy nasty nasty stuff so I, i actually actually sat in the truck and waited i'm looking at the radar and the snow was going to break and it was already just starting to break light and i thought man i'm going to give it like 10 minutes and just walk real slow take my time and get back into my stand Mm -hmm. and it was real hazy out so it was just kind of starting to spit snow and i was about 200 yards from my stand and there's a bunch of crp on a hillside and i look up and he's laying there with that doe kind of right below the hill out of the thermals and, and I'm like, you son of a gun. And, and he's, he's literally like 50 yards and they're looking right they're, at they're looking with, no, they're looking with the wind in their face, Okay, which was kind of odd. I would have ex- expected him to be laying on his side, but he was just staring at her and she had her ears back kind of tucked down. Just, just, just chilling. She didn't know I was there. So I just was like, well, I'm not going to try to get any closer. I moved over and got against the fence row where I knew I was kind of blended in. I just sat there, rested on my knee, just waiting for him to stand up. Well, I wasn't there 10 minutes, and here comes a four-point walking in, and he walked right between that doe and him, and he he saw him, and he stood up, uh, the big one. Mm-hmm. And um, when he stood up, he kind of turned and postured, and when he did, he opened right up to me. Um, I shot him at, like, 
45 yards. Oh, wow. I could have okay. shot him with a bow. Yeah, and that's why I've never rifle hunted. And I don't know that I'll do it again, honestly. It, I'm not taking anything away from it. I just, I wish I would have had a bow in my hand. Yeah, that's my thing. It's, it's tough. I mean, it's, tough when you especially when they're close range like that you know what i mean it's so tough like my indiana one was close too it was i it was like 40 yards 30 38 yards (laughs) i mean i wouldn't i'm not trading it i was it's a great deer he's 150 inch deer but i mean um that deer was six and a half that i know of Mm -hmm. i have pictures of him from 2019 um 2018 um i didn't if i did get pictures of him in 2020 i'd have to go back and look but he showed up this year um, in September, and I only got very few pictures of him. Um, and come rut, you know, end of October, he was everywhere. Right. So, but yeah, I just don't get the rush from a rifle like I do a bow. Like, I, I remember shooting him, and he took, like, one bound and, and fell over, and I was like, well, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I've always got the extra from from the bow hunting side. You know, I, I really, I really just, uh, yeah, I think that there's just the adrenaline rush, and I mean, obviously, technology has gotten great, and we can shoot further as we practice and we do those things and do our due diligence to to practice equals confidence and so on and so forth. But it's one of those things where if you if you don't and you know people are taking marginal shots and stuff like that i think it it's just like you know it it becomes a fish in the barrel type thing i hate to say that but if you're hunting property that's quality property and you have a farm that's good and you know you you know you do your due diligence like you do and and the rest of us do and we're we're following cameras and we know what we have there sometimes putting that rifle or you know shotgun or whatever in our hands it just, I don't like, I don't, it's not a bad thing. It's just, you know what I mean? It just, it's a little yeah. less for me. It's just, I don't, with a it bow, is. I want to jump straight from the ladder to the ground. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I don't, when I shoot a deer with a bow, I don't care if I'm in the stand or on the ground, I've done a bow. I'm like, I'm like Waddo with my ninja moves, dude. Like right. high five and trees, bro. Yeah, like, me too. I don't care who's out there. I'm giving up. You're going to hear me from three blocks away. I'm, yeah, let's go. Yeah, I mean, I I was just thinking back. Like, I mean, I get excited. I do. I mean, the the last real excited gun kill I had, I shot a big mainframe high one forties at nine steps from the ground. Like, I just awesome. I I couldn't get to the stand, and it was it was a weird circumstance. I couldn't get in the stand, and I I don't know. The deer were busted, and the winds was wrong, and I'm like. This is stupid. So I probably shouldn't even be in the woods. So I just sat down where I was at and literally the deer walked straight to me and I shot him at nine steps. And that was, that was probably the last one that I really, I was like, okay, this, I got pumped up about this one. But other than that, it's like, I would much rather, I would much rather stick and string anything I can, you know? And that's, that's just, I don't know. That's just me, I guess. I mean, I'm, I've always been a diehard bow hunter and, you know, I think that's where, you know, in Michigan, as you know, I mean, we got to bow hunt long before we got to gun hunt. So, yeah. you know, we got a couple, two years to sit in a stand. So if you, if you wanted to hunt and you wanted to get out there, that was your only, your only opportunity. So I think that really sparked a, a big interest. And then, um, you know, I got away from it a little bit too, when I moved South and, you know, my buddies down there, they weren't strong bow hunters. They just, you know, they rifle hunted. Of course the rifle season was, you know, two and a half months long. So that's what we did. And, and now it's like being back up this way and traveling, it's, 
I'm traveling with the bow. I mean, that's that's it. If I got an opportunity, I'd I'd rather I'd rather be shooting the bow. So, but yep. so what? I mean, you know, we're we're about 45 minutes in. I won't. Uh, I know you got family and everything, and I won't I won't keep you forever. But um, so yeah, what else good. do you got for what else do you got for goals, man? What uh, what are you doing? I know you talked a little bit about possibly putting in some food plots. What's uh, you know, what's 22 looking like for you guys? Uh, you know, you got well, um, everything could change in the blink of an eye. Like you know you, you get farms and you lose farms and it's inevitable mm-hmm. um there's there's still a chance that i could lose the farm that i'm on right now mm. um i didn't i didn't waste hundreds of dollars with the mineral this year because um i wasn't sure if i was going to be able to hunt there this year i'm still not 100 percent sure ouch um so there's a chance i could lose it and I, i'm okay with it uh I, i'm probably maybe it needs to happen i need to move on to something else and start over um I don't know that um, I'll have the genetics and, and what what's going on there now, but either way, I'm not I'm not going to be mad about it. I have been blessed to to hunt there as long as I have, and and I've I've totally taken advantage of it. And I've learned this farm. I mean, I could go through it with my, with my eyes closed and in my sleep. You know what I mean? Um, but that's part of it. That's, so, you got to do yeah, it. Yeah, there's so many there's so many aspects that that. And I'm not saying that I'm different than anybody else. I'm just saying that I, I a lot of things clicked on yep. this farm and everything from rainfall and pushing deer out of the river bottom and where they're going to be and, and knowing when the crops are planted and, and the pockets of the beans that are still going to be green and are shaded versus the shit that's dried out where the deer are going to be. Um, just, man, there's, there's, there's pockets on this farm that I'd never go into other than to walk through once to shed hunt and I never go into them again. Right. And well, it's a little thing. It's those, yeah, it's, yeah. it's those little things. Yeah, and that's I, what I, I tell people ever, all the time. I don't ever go into the river bottom. Yep. I don't, I let the deer be deer. I use mock scrapes. I use scrape lines. Um, I basically let the deer be deer. If my neighbors want to go down in there and, and, and do what they do. Um, they, they've killed some really good deer also. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know if I'm patient and I hunt smart that it will come together. And, and that's just not, not pressure and let these deer get comfortable doing their thing and then slip in there on the right time and, and get it done. Not, not just go in there to hunt just because, Hey, I got a big deer on camera. That's probably the, a, a, and, and I'm not saying that that's not doable, right? but you got to look at why that deer is up and moving in daylight. Sure. What, 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 what factors are happening at that time while he's doing it? Yeah, I mean, um, it could have been some fluke situation, you know. Yeah. I mean? Something's pushing them around, yeah. coyotes or anything else. You know, um, you just don't know. I, think you know? That I, I will say this: um, I got serious about predation on my farm, and I knew it was a problem. But I was just one guy out with a call and and in a two two three or a six five Grendel. You know, you can only do so much. Sure. Um, but we, since twenty eighteen, I think we've taken. In our blood, in our section alone, we've taken, I want to say probably close to 70 to 80 dogs mm. since, since 2018. Yeah, that's huge. And, and there's farms just like deer that will always, they've always got things that will always attract a big deer. And this farm, coyotes love it. Mm-hmm. I, they love running that river bottom. And, and last year was the first time I'd ever seen a doe with three fawns seven years on this farm. Wow. 
But that's, so, you know, that says a lot. I mean, that's that's one thing that, you know, obviously we tell people we, we preach the whole land management thing and we preach all these different things and we tell everybody to do this, that, and the other. But if you're not doing that in the off season, I mean, think about think about the turkeys, you know what I mean? Like the, the way that it used to be, you know, everybody hunted something back in the day, you know what I mean? It's like we were talking about oh, yeah. growing up, you know what I mean? We had people were hunting raccoons and they were hunting this, that, and the other and rabbits and everything else. And the rabbit population is starting to come back. I've noticed that. But then you start looking at, you know, the coyotes and, you know, that you're seeing in daylight hours, it's, it's crazy in some of these places that, um, I, I have a, a buddy of mine that I, I know that I think he's probably in triple digits off of his farm and the neighboring two farms, which I'm, let's call it, I'm going to call it like 400 and change, you know, and he's in triple digits in like almost two oh, yeah. two years maybe two and a half years of, of dogs there and i'm like how is there so many dogs but i think what's happening is they're pulling from you know all the surrounding areas and they they're just they're like you said like your farm they're attracted to it something about that farm they love it and they as soon as some are gone the more are in and you got to stay after well, them I'll, I'll tell you a quick story um so the guy that traps for me or, mm-hmm. or helps me out um i don't i don't charge him or I just say, have at it. You know, I even let him actually this year, I actually let him go out and trap a little bit during deer season because of the, we were starting to get a few, yeah, they were starting to get, excuse me, get back in there. But I know that he, him or one of his friends trapped a coyote. He trapped it in, I think it was in Dyer, Indiana. Mm -hmm. And this, this coyote, it was a female, if I'm not mistaken. And it had a collar. It was it was released and trapped in northern Wisconsin, and it was trapped in Dyer, wow. Indiana. Wow! I know I know another kid. Um, he's actually local there around Coldwater Angola area. Um, he trapped a female, put a collar on it, um, down by, I think it was Angola area, Fremont mm-hmm. area maybe, and that coyote was caught in a snare, if I'm not mistaken by another gentleman and his, his, he put his own GPS tracking collar on it and the gentleman called him cause it had his information on it mm-hmm. and it was trapped outside of Toledo, which was like 93 miles. Yeah. Yeah. I seen, I seen some footage done on back. It was back during the, the big push of coyote season. And I think it was beginning in, in January or something that I seen where uh, somewhere over in Illinois, I think it may, be, may have been the Radical guys, I can't remember, but they had a map of the GPS route of a single dog, and I don't know if, I think it was a male, and they had the whole thing mapped out, and it was crazy, The um, just the coverage area that that thing had covered. I mean, it went basically from like St. Louis all the way to Indianapolis, you know what I mean? It was kind of like yeah. that whole corridor of you know 70 and all those all those that route that way i was like holy crap like that you know you don't you don't realize how far they move or but i guess it's just like anything else they're going to go to find the food you know if there's no food they're moving so but if if we keep limiting them you know we keep keep killing them then it's it's going to keep uh, our population up you're going to see those triplets you're going to see those you know those those fawn numbers increase and it's going to get uh, yeah. get good so so what what uh, else what else you got going on, man? I mean, what's uh, what else is new for you with with the deer side? Any any new uh, tactics? Any new? I mean, we talked to you about you're getting the back in the recurve, or 
Anything new that um, you're you're looking at doing? New stands? New... My tactics. My tactics change a little bit just with crop rotation. Sure. Um, you know, I can get a little bit more aggressive um, on with some corn. spots with corn because I got so much more cover to get in and out of. You're not exposed like most of the spots. If I'm going into them when I'm walking out at night, I'm walking through. You know, I'm 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 pretty exposed. Right. You know, um, so, um. I'll definitely change some things up this year. Like I said, I want to drop back, have a little fun with little man. Um, we'll see how far, I, how far it gets. And, and if I, if I haven't got, like I said, got official confirmation that I still got this farm. Um, I've got, I've got another spot that I want to go kind of reset it up. Um, a past friend shot a pretty decent buck over there. I've only hunted it a handful of times. Mm-hmm. It's in Northwest Indiana. It's in a reduction zone. Okay. Um, I, I, I lost a big deer in 2020. Um, that would have been my, it probably would have been my second or third largest whitetail I've ever killed a bow. Oh, wow. He was, he was a one, I'll just be modest and say he was 155, but I think he was probably 160, 165. Okay. Um, not making any excuse for anything. It just happened fast. Um, I hit him a little higher than I wanted. I know I still got a lung. Um, he was bleeding out his nose. I tracked him like Tonto on my hands and knees for, I don't know, 250 yards. He made a big loop, and I, I called the dog. I, I did everything I could to find the deer. Um, I did find the deer, but the head was gone. And I didn't find it until March. Yeah. But the neighbors knew about it, and they don't like me, so I'm pretty sure that's where my head's at. Yeah. Yeah, I had name. I had and a similar situation wants. the same. Yeah, in 19, 18, 18, 19. I don't know. I have to look back, but – one of those two, nope, it was 18. In 18, I had one that was the same deal. He was, you know, was had, upper um, 160s, and the neighbor, you know, the neighbor's no longer there. He retired and moved south, thank God. He was a problem for <laughs> many years. Many, many um, years he was a problem. But, uh, but yeah, that, so that that sucked. But That same farm, I went in there. I had I had COVID. I was off work. I was feeling kind of crappy, but I, I went anyways. I sat all day. Um and at 10:30 in the morning, I had a really nice buck, probably mid 50s, 10 point. Mm-hmm. Um, I had him walk by about 90 yards, but um, I sat him out and thought maybe he might he might come back through. I never saw him again. Um, but every time I've sat that spot in the past two years now, the past two seasons, every time I've sat that spot during the rut, I have seen. Uh, I've seen a something respectable. A, I've seen yeah, I've seen a, a one fifty plus deer. Yeah. So there's some quality uh, there say, then for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see a lot of them, but um, I don't put a lot of pressure on it. It's very hard to access, and obviously, if I could leave you with a couple things, winds number one. Don't ever drop your guard on the wind. Always hunt the wind. I know you got to push the parameters sometimes to, to maybe kill a big deer. Yep. But I always hunt the wind as as much as possible. There's times I feel like I can get away with it, and that depends on what what Mother Nature's doing. Um, you know, if it's wet out, um, we gotta if we've got it, it's cold, but temperatures are rising. Yep. I feel like you get a lot more push off the ground when you know you, you're you're kind of condensing. I think that doesn't help. I think it helps with not your sense not carrying as much. Right. Yeah. Um, it keeps it keeps it but, like kind of gives it a ceiling a little bit. Yeah. Um, so obviously. Number one is hunt the wind. Um, number two 
is access. And number three, let the deer be deer. Uh, I think there's a time to execute. And I think a lot of us sometimes just get caught up in just going to the stand, um, maybe, maybe blowing out a good spot a little too early. Just be yep. patient. Well, you said you we said it. You hit it a nail on the head earlier. Yeah, yeah. You hit it right on the head earlier, and you said hunt the good days. You know, pick your days. You know, and say instead of looking at it and going, I got ninety days in the season, or hundred days, or however many your season is, wherever you are and what state you're yeah. in, look at it and go, okay, I, pick the best days that you can pick the best two or three days in the month or the best two or three days or the best week and, and execute and, you know, use the, you know, obviously use the cameras, but you don't, don't be dependent or become codependent on those. And like you said, let the deer be deer and, and do the things that they're, they're doing. And you're, you're going to get, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to use a weird term. You're going to get luckier if you will. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you are, you're, well, you're, your, your odds I, are going to go up. Yeah, I can't take I can't take all the credit like for for what's happened on my farm. It's been it's been a group effort, and I've I mean I begged my couple of my neighbors, and I didn't get everybody. I got a handful of guys, a couple of the guys that are important. And I've become pretty good friends with them, um, help them get deer out. Uh, we we have we have a great agreement. If they're on my side of the river and you can kill them, kill them. Right. You know, I'm not. I'm, what would you do? You know what I'm saying? Like yep. you're not gonna bullshit a bullshitter. So I'm not gonna. Well, don't shoot them if they're on my side because that's not how it works. We're a right. team. I, I know that they pass 130 class deer because I've had them walk by me and send them videos and they send me a picture of them walking by them. Right. So yeah. And that helps. That you helps. Can't kill, yeah. You, you're not going to kill. And I'm not saying I, I don't shoot for inches. I've never have. I'm going to try to target my older deer. Yep. And, and I have, yeah, I have deer that are, I've got deer out right now that are never going to be over 140, 145. And they're going to be, five, six year old deer. Right. So it's not, it's not, you got to understand the statistics, you know, uh, how many deer actually get to ever be a boon cracker deer. First off, yep. it's not a high percentage. So I can tell you that. Well, and then not and, only that, you got to look at, you got to look at your core area. I mean, that just goes to the whole yeah. top, top 10% mentality and looking yeah. at what's the top 10% in your area. What's the top 10% of your farm. And yeah. you may have a farm that your max is 120. You know what I mean? You may never, you know, until something changes and your genetics change. Yeah, you could have a straggler. Yeah, don't. Ruck could bring something, but no. Yeah, well, don't let don't let TV uh, manipulate you on whether you kill a deer or not. I'll still tell everybody to this day: shoot what makes you happy. Absolutely. Not everybody. Not everybody has. I've been on farms where I've put money into them and put in food plots and mineraled it up, and and never seen a deer over 140 inches or 130 inches. So, and, and and that's that's just. That's just the way it it's is. Part and of it. Not every not every farm is ever going to produce a bunukaka deer. Not no. every area is ever going to produce it. the area I live in, in here in Indiana right now. I mean, I drive these roads every day. I've seen one gross boon deer, um, in four years that I've lived here, out out in this area that I live in. Okay. And I don't know anybody that I don't know of any deer out here that have ever been killed over. Maybe I think maybe the biggest one I know about would be like a 160, mm-hmm. and this is a big area. You know, I see a lot of area, especially in my day to day drive back and forth to work over the years. Right. I know right now where there's two deer, one's going to be 200, the other one's going to be 70s, and they run together. I went and shed hunted it. It's city property. Um, they're living in a neighborhood, man. They are giants. Uh, I don't know who ended up with the sheds. If anybody did, um, somebody did. (laughs) 
somebody did it ain't me but um there's there is some monster deer in indiana um, there is. don't ever overlook it uh and, and it's not every farm i don't want to tell somebody well scotty goodwin said there's a giant deer in indiana uh, i've helped out chris may um i've tried to help him out with finding some ground um i do think that scott and i could find some ground it's just going to take it's going to take the legwork yep. going to put some 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 tires on on the ground and and putting miles down and yeah. knocking out a lot of doors well and we put it, it, we put some uh we got some new new property there now i'm i'm sure we've talked off record on on that some and i know you and scott have too and and i think I mean, well, there's some promise to it, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, we're in a good area. I'm I'm looking at some other stuff. I I mean, I know what was, and I'll send you a picture off record of what so, was on my other Indiana farm last year. For anybody that ever wants to know, like it's not a secret, no. but a lot of people don't know. But Indiana, if you can find property, good property that's in the reduction zone, and there's a map on Indiana DNR's website, mm-hmm. um, and it's the reduction zone. And it outlines the parameters of the reduction zone. And it's statewide. There's areas around Indy. I think there's areas around Fort Wayne. Yep. There's there's areas around Bloomington. And there's pretty much three quarters of Northwest Indiana is Ernabuck. So for those that don't know, the archery season for the reduction zone starts September 15th, yep. which is a huge advantage. Your bucks aren't in velvet. I've never had a buck in velvet still. During September 15th, I've had some coming out of velvet, but too far gone to ever uh target target that uh, side yeah preserve it you know they're too far gone but um it gives you that opportunity if the weather and mother nature cooperates you might still get on a big deer in a summer pattern or be able to be able to get into an area where you might get a chance at a giant deer in summer pattern um it starts september 15th you have to shoot a doe and you have to register that doe and get a confirmation number from the dnr and then you have to buy another reduction zone i think they're 24 dollars each and you can you can your next tag purchased is good for a buck or a doe so if you do that right away september 15th you just gained two weeks of hot month of mm-hmm. september to try to maybe shoot a bigger buck or a good deer you got patterned on the summer pattern and um does that that doesn't affect the regular your regular tag either correct with no, a reduction so, so it's, it's a most, bonus basically it is a bonus and let, but there's parameters to it so yep. once you shoot a doe you can hunt the September 15th. You shoot a doe. So realistically, you can hunt September 16th to October 1st. Okay. Now, now don't don't confuse this, and a lot of guys do, and they screw themselves. And I'll tell you why. So if you shoot a reduction zone buck, mm-hmm. and be, that's fine if you've got to burn it between the 15th and the 1st of October. But now you only have your your Indiana buck tag. Mm-hmm. So now you're, oh, you're limited to October 1st through – November 14th or 13th, 13th 14th, somewhere starts. right in there. Yeah. And, and then you're stuck to those rules. So once gun season's over, you can still, you can still bow hunt during gun season, but you can't have both weapons in the tree. You have to have one or the other. Right. So after gun season's over, you can still bow hunt, but you can only bow hunt until the end of the season, which I think it's like January or end of December, first week of January. Right. If you have a reduction zone tag and say you don't, you don't shoot your first buck, until October 4th. You mm-hmm. can use your regular season tag Yep. October 4th. This allows you to bow hunt until open day of gun season. Now here's here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. I doesn't I've never had to do it, but you can use your reduction zone tag from open day of gun season 
and you can use any rifle that's on our that's registered legal to use with the state of Indiana go through the DNR. Mm-hmm. You can use a rifle until January 31st. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that opens up a lot of doors for some big deer for people, especially right. guys that got the farms that got late season crops standing. Yep. You know, especially those standing bean fields and clover plots. If we have a mild winter, somebody's killing a giant. Yep. I know I have some friends here that um, I'm not going to name drop, but one guy in particular um, does a fine job of, of late season stuff yeah also. yeah yeah two yeah. guys yeah two it's, guys are pretty it's a different it's a different deal i wish there was some some areas that they did something like that here in michigan but uh but i was aware of that down there and, and i'm glad you you brought that uh to everybody's attention because we haven't talked about that on any of the other previous podcasts and, and stuff too so if, so if anybody wonders how i shoot two bucks in indiana some that's years, how <laughs> I, I i i was told last year that i was potentially losing my farm and it's i've always had a one buck rule on my farm because I have one or one or two other guys usually that hunt with me. Uh, it's a one buck rule because if I shoot a big one and my neighbor shoots a big one and my other neighbor shoots a big one, there's not a lot of big ones left. And that actually happened this year. Yeah. Um, there goes the roster, right? I shot two. My neighbor shot one, another kid shot a uh, gross 170 class deer. Um, and then the other neighbor shot uh, his, there's two guys that hunt the West fence line mm-hmm. and he shot it on the West fence line. Um, he actually shot it where he shouldn't have been, but I'm not mm. going to make a big stink about it. Either way, he shot it with a bow during rifle season, and I give him props for that, and he's a good hunter, so I can't take anything away from him. But it was the one deer that I, out of any deer I've ever had on camera in my entire life, this deer was a mid-60s 10-point um, that stayed true and typical. He only put one kicker on. Uh, last year, I got one of his sheds. Mm-hmm. He would have been a gross and I believe he would have been a net boon deer this year. Oh man. Yeah. Um, but I, there's no, this deer was a monster. Right. Um, he was a very tough deer to kill. Um, I had very limited, uh, inventory or pictures of him because of where he was at. I knew he was on the neighbors or wasn't nothing I could do. Right. Um, but the kid killed him like January 6th, I think with a bow. So kudos to him, man. He, right. he stuck it out and, and that kid's killed a couple big deer back there. So can't win them all, and you can't worry about the neighbors. No, you can't. Uh, you can't worry about what everybody else is doing. I just know that if I continue with um, with passing deer, letting some does go, um, I know that if I'm patient and hunt smart, uh, I will – I don't care where I go or what farm I do. I'm, I'm going to – I'm gonna. If, I'm, if I stick to the game plan and trust my instincts, I'll, I'll come out with a decent one, you know. It's confidence, um, man. That's it. It's confidence in, in it your is, but, tactics and what you do and, and just knowing and paying attention to things and hunting smart, well, hunt hard. I walk a lot, man. I, I know. Walk a lot. I know. Um, I don't have to do that as much anymore on this farm because I've hunted it for so long. But the first thing I'm going to do on any farm, especially a new farm, is boots on the ground. Yep. I'm going to scout that son of a bitch until I'm walking sideways and falling over. Blisters and, and, and holes in the boots. I know it. Yeah, man. Um, I don't leave much, much, you know, underturned or overturned, however you want to put it. But, mm-hmm. um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about, uh, the herd and what caliber of deer I got, uh, you know, especially those late winter months, February, March, April, mm-hmm. um, and, and take mental notes, man, because if they're, if they're, if they're doing that pattern, they're going to be doing the same thing that later in the fall that year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I do. 
but try to, you know, try to figure out where your deer want to be and stay the hell out of it. Yep. Number one, man. And then, and then obviously access, you know, hunt the wind, create yourself access. When I say create yourself access, screens, I plan every every step I take Uh and and I'm not the last, the last hundred yards to my stand. Uh, you can talk to some of the guys I hunt with. I take a weed eater and a rake and drink it down to dirt. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do the same, especially and, there's a couple places that I, some big oak lots that they drop a ton of leaves and it's, I, I have to, I have to, otherwise it's, it's like a crunch fast getting to some of those um, areas, you know? So I, I have, I have some rut spots that I'll wait until majority of the leaves will fall. And, and I think that there's a misconception like, Oh, you can't go back to your spook a deer. There's a big difference in getting dressed in camo and sneaking around and sneaking into a property versus driving a buggy side by side, UTV four wheeler, mm-hmm. making a lot of noise. Sometimes I'll turn my phone on and crank my music all the way up. Give the deer the chance to be a deer and let them leave on let them leave on their own terms. Yep. And then go do what you need because how many times do you do that and you get a deer on camera twenty minutes after you leave? They're just curious, just like a dog. Yep. Or or anything. Their curiosity they want to come check it out. Um they're gonna come. They're gonna circle back on when you're gone. They're gonna come check you out, see what you did. Um, but I will go in and rake a path when majority of the leaves have fallen um, to get to some of those hard to reach places that I need access to in the middle of the day when deer just being deer. Because I do believe there's a difference in blowing a deer out of his element on his own and mm-hmm. knowing that he was compromised. He knows he's compromised versus letting a big deer get up and do his thing. Yep. I don't think you're going to jeopardize it by doing that once in the fall when it's prime time. Yeah. And I have spots I have to do that because I, there's no other way I'm going to get to them. Right. Yeah. Otherwise you're not going to get, you're not going to be able to dial into to where you need to be. Yeah, I, try, I, try to, I try to look at the radar and I try to do it before a rain mm-hmm. because. And then wash all that, that scent away. Me. Hell yeah, dude. Like if I got to go do a hanging bang set or I need to go, if I'm like, man, I got to get, you know, I've been seeing a deer do this particular pattern and I need to get closer. I'm going out. I've actually done it in the rain. Yep. I am too. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, if you can do it and you can stand to be out there in the rain. I mean, honestly, that's probably one of the better times to do it really. I mean, yep. you know, you can be quiet or getting in, you can be quiet or getting out and you know what I mean? You get it all done and, and yep. get the hell out of there. So, well, speaking of get the hell out of there, man, we're, we're yep. an hour and 15 strong, man. I wasn't trying to keep you that long, keep you away from the wife hey. and kid. You know, but well, they, uh, just, they just got she. She actually took little man and my neighbor's son. They went and got ice cream because I knew that I'd be. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to talk. I'd be going eight different directions. So I asked him to go get. He he had a dental appointment today, so he was a good boy. Oh, he awesome. went and got ice cream. Well, good, 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 good. So well, let's uh, we'll wind it up, and you know I appreciate you you know jumping on with us and telling us uh, sure. your stories and and sharing your your tactics and the way that you do Pleasure. things, which are a lot about the same of, of what I do and you know some of the things that Scott does as well. Obviously, we've Absolutely. we've all shared those conversations and whatnot, and I'm sure we'll be talking plenty more here come soon. And um, other than that, thanks everybody for joining us, and uh, if you. Uh, haven't checked out youtube and seen scotty's hunt with his son on the turkey do that uh also like and follow and you know everything and uh join us and if you are going to tack this weekend if you see me come say hey i'll be wandering around somewhere with a top 10 shirt on flinging arrows so nonetheless we appreciate it guys Thank you. Thank you.